Hi, I'm Shreya Bakliwal and this is Women Who Build Podcast. Numerous studies tell us that women-owned startups deliver twice as much per dollar invested as those founded by men. Do you know that there is a live example of this that exists? Meet Halogen Ventures, which is an LA-based fund that invests in early-stage consumer tech companies led by women founders. Started by Jesse Draper, a fourth-generation VC, the fund has 62 exciting startups in its portfolio. Ashley is the chief of staff at Halogen. An undergraduate from UCLA, Ashley talks about her unconventional journey to the world of venture and everything consumer tech. Without further delay, I have Ashley for you. Hey Ashley, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm so glad to be finally doing this with you. Oh, I'm so excited. I could barely sleep last night. I just judged a pitch competition this morning at 1 a.m. Um, they were on Singapore time, so I barely slept, but it was good things because I was excited to to chat with you today. Yeah. So Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey to Halogen? What really led you to join? Yeah, I actually um, a little backstory on me. I grew up in a small town on the central coast of California, where venture capital or startups, for that matter, didn't exist. Um, even though Los Angeles was three hours south and Silicon Valley was a few hours north, um, my first introduction to technology and venture capital was when I was a junior in college at UCLA. I interviewed for an internship at a technology talk show called the Valley Girl Show. Um, I had no idea what it was about. I did a quick Google search and watched a few videos and saw Jesse Draper, who is now Halogen Ventures' um, founding partner. Um, also my mentor, um, and she was the founder and host of the Valley Girl Show, and I was like, I this is way out of my comfort zone, but I love it. I don't know what it entails or what it's going to be like, but I was excited to explore something new. Um, all of my friends were doing internships at big media and entertainment companies um, and agencies like CAA, um, Disney, NBC Universal, The Late Late Show. Um, which was awesome. I got my fair share into getting experience and in internships at places like that as well. Um, but I was just really excited to do something different. Uh, and Jesse Draper, founding partner at Halogen, um, gave me that opportunity to to do so. Um, it was one of the first technology or technology talk shows interviewing CEOs and entrepreneurs in a much lighted, uh, approachable way. And the show was nominated for an Emmy. It was so much fun. I got to meet. Entrepreneurs from the beginning of their journey. Some of them actually ended up. We invent, ended up investing in Halogen. So I saw them when I was a junior in college. Uh, to years later, um, and then them being a part of the Halogen portfolio. Um, but during this internship, I discovered that to me, celebrities were entrepreneurs building some of the most innovative and fascinating technology companies. Um, and then Jesse started Halogen Ventures in 2016 and brought me on board. Uh, we went on to raise our first fund. Um, I've been with the fund from the beginning, and it's been an amazing, amazing experience. I'm so grateful for the past four years, um, four and a half, gosh, almost five years actually. Um, but I give credit to to Jesse for exposing me to this amazing world and giving me the opportunity to be a part of it. 
Wow, you really have an unconventional background, I must say. Uh, one question that I have for you is that, you know, um, most people that I see joining the VC space either come from a consulting background or an investment banking background or maybe a startup background, right? So I wanted to understand how has your different experience really helped you in uh, the VC space and what are some qualities that VCs are actually looking for when they try to recruit their team members and how is it that one can really go about building those qualities? Um, so I was previously at a public relations boutique firm um, and and then previously at iHeartMedia. So um, I was part of talent relations, um, briefly a producer for On Air with Seacrest, um, and then was on the West Coast uh, podcast at iHeartMedia, but it did a lot of talent relations for iHeart for a few years. Um, so all of their live events across the U.S., um, but it really helped me understand consumer startups um, and add value to our fund in our portfolio, um, building our influencer initiative all the way to developing PR strategies, um, the development of our venture capital fund, and then running halogen pitch days. Um, it's through those experiences that I learned that one PR is around the clock 24 seven and often oftentimes. Um, there's a need for problem solving on the fly. Uh, but it's really, I think it really helped me get into the nitty gritty with our companies and allow me to be a part of a big part of the operational side of things. Um, and just making sure that because our companies are so early, we often invest in, um, companies that are less than five people to a team, um, it really allowed me to, to help them and, and given my experience, build out these marketing or PR strategies with them. Hmm, and I think it's interesting to kind of get a sense of how diversity within your own experience can be really instrumental in shaping the operations of early stage companies within your fund. Um, so just talking about these companies, um, I want to know if women founders actually build for women consumers only. A lot of our companies... Uh, serve women of all ages and backgrounds. Um, they're creating, you know, female focused products. Um, but a lot of them, like I mentioned earlier, are also for families, right. um, for men too. I think that women are, they're creating what they know that they need yeah. in the world. They know that women need support in you know, if it's in parenthood, if it's in education, if it's in career, um, if it's for self-love things, if it's for health, fitness, they know what it is that they need and want, and they're just creating those companies every single day. Our portfolio is is a great example of that. We have Carbon 38, which is athleisure wear, and then we have Senrev, which is a luxury um, handbag company, Sarah Flint, which is shoes. Um, and then all the way to Brella, which is on-demand uh, childcare, um, and Toucan, which is educational technology. Um, we're, we're in everything across the board that su <clears throat> supports women from all different stages of their life. Um, and I, I'm proud of our portfolio for creating companies like that. And so in addition to, um, you know, the, the kind of uh, problem that uh, these women founders are trying to solve, 
what are some other things that you actually look for in a founder? Yeah, I look for five key things. And there are some other things, but these are the five key things. Do you have a disruptive and unique product? Some type of traction, if it's not dollars, maybe it's 100,000 emails, you know, or 100,000 people on the wait list. Um, or partners, or you know, something lined up that that can show that there's a need for this. Um, what's your proprietary advantage? What does your team look like? Is it a killer team? Why your team? Tell me about the backgrounds, where you guys all come from, your successes, um, and are you going to make Halogen a billion dollars? Are you going to be a billion dollar company? Um, I think that those are the five key things. I, I obviously, we like to meet founders face-to-face now on Zoom, virtually mm. face-to-face um, before we make decisions to invest. Um, but I do check references. I back channel like crazy, especially because we're not seeing you know people in person. Um, and honestly, I check their social medias. That's such a weird thing that we, that's like even a part of diligence now. But all in all, because we're investing early, it is a gut check. Um, and so it's it's a gut check initially, and then we do a serious amount of diligence afterwards. And as a uh, you know venture capitalist, uh, it's always said that you should have your investment thesis in place. So what exactly constitutes investment thesis? This is like a question that most of our listeners will have in their minds people especially who really want to start out in the venture capital space and I feel um, it's, it's also one of the most important questions when you're trying to you know recruit for the VC space so would love to have your thoughts on that yeah so an investment thesis in venture capital is the strategy of which your fund makes money for for our investors which are limited partners Um, it's identifying the stage, the geography and the focus of investments, as well as what makes your fund, your venture capital fund different or unique from other firms. Um, so for us, we invest in early stage consumer technology companies with a female in the leadership team, um, who are building billion dollar businesses, um, And so we want to create the female billionaires of the future. Um, But we invest in female founders, consumer technology, all early stage. Um, So when building an investment thesis, it's important to think about what makes you different. That way also it it helps other investors. Say if I go to um, someone's funds website, it helps other investors know what to send you, what type of deal flow to send you for how Godar, as you know, that we invest in female founders, consumer technology, all early stage. So if you identify what it is that makes you unique, people automatically associate you with certain companies and deal flow that they could send you. Yeah, I think it's an interesting perspective, right? Uh, Just thinking about other VCs and how they can really help you uh, with your deal flow. Um, And it almost seems like uh, the venture community is very tight-knit, right? Like from the number of conversations that I've had, um, it almost seems like analysts and associates actually talk to uh, each other all the time, be it around companies, be it around founders and whatnot. Um, So it's it's a great, uh, you know, example and uh, great that you mentioned. 
now jumping on to your portfolio and really talking about the 62 companies uh, that you have seen growing uh, tell me what is it that actually helps consumer brands scale and what are the avenues that you have seen some of the successful companies use versus uh, companies that haven't really been successful um, well if you're a g2c company which i i think a lot of consumer companies have have become omni-channel now. And so um, if you're a D2C company, targeted email marketing, know your ideal customer, um, and t make sure that your content is tailored appropriately um, to every single customer that you are your audience. Um, customer service is great. I, I think that it, there's always room for improvement in customer service. Um, make sure your logistics are in order. So you might not have a logistics team if you're early stage, but um, it's better to know that you're able to adapt to new situations if you need to pivot or um, figure out how to go on the channel if a pandemic hits. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then streamline uh, a buying process. Um, but also I think a big thing is build a community. Right. The best brands, you know, are, are the ones that have stories to tell and customers can easily connect with in some way and also feel like they have other people that they could associate themselves with and have conversations with and relate to in some way. So if you're really connecting to your audience and, and your customers, I guess, they it will go a really long way. And talking about building communities, what do you think is the role of an influencer? Um, and, you know, how, how well is influencer marketing really doing um, to improve scale? Yeah, I think now in the, in the age of social media, um, influencers over the past years have, have helped companies grow tremendously, which is great. But there are also a few situations where you're overpaying for influencers or celebrities and you're not seeing them convert. Right. Um, so I think it's important to come up with an, an influencer strategy that works for your company specifically. Not over, don't overpay. Budget and figure out, you know, how you can work, you know, whether work around with an influencer or whether it's giving them a piece of the pie, whether it's, you know, saying you get a certain um, a percentage of what um, you sell. Um, but it's great to have that kind of exposure. And it doesn't have to be the, as far as influencers go, it doesn't have to be the most popular influencer on Instagram. It doesn't have to be the Kardashians with a hundred plus million uh, 100 million plus followers. It, if you find a good group of micro influencers that have honestly anywhere from like 2,000 to maybe 10,000 followers that whose audience is so loyal to them, you will see a huge change in what they convert compared to what other lar other influencers convert with much larger following. Mm -hmm. um, We've seen it firsthand with quite a few of our companies, actually, just um, figuring out what influencer strategies work for them and finding those micro influencers that have such loyal audience and super engaging um, followers 
that they post one thing and those followers, that's 10,000 followers that actually buy that one product. Um, And there's a level of authenticity that comes into it as well. And I think that um, a lot of viewers on social media are starting to think that uh, everything is paid, everything is, you know, not authentic. And the younger generations feel that. And so it's important to be authentic. They, They follow people that they trust and that they want to be loyal to that they know aren't going to post things on their Instagrams just for money, but post things because it's what they actually believe in. Yeah. Um, so it's, you have to keep up with those generations of um, followers and audiences to make sure that the influencers that you're targeting also are the types of customers that you're trying to acquire. Yeah, and uh, now just coming to building relationships of trust with founders. How does a VC really do that? We do this onboarding call um, with any new company that we invest in. And um, I built out this like one sheet and I basically say, you know, here's what we expect from you. And it's truthfully just like transparency and like work here to help you and we make sure that they know where our strengths are and what halogen and myself can provide um and so jesse jokes and calls us the 24-hour hotline (laughs) i don't think it's a joke it's a real thing we are the 24-hour hotline um and we try and just make sure that our founders know that we're here to support them and we want them to succeed we don't claim to be experts in everything and so if it's something we don't know how to do or we it's not one of our strengths, we will make sure we find them someone else to, to help come in and, and take care of that for them. Um, but we're really close with a lot of our founders and we fit on, we sit on a few boards um, and some we don't sit on the boards of, but it's almost like we're on the board because we're investing so early. Um, and we like to be really hands-on with our investors. So I think as a young VC, do as much as you can check in with your founders um, Make sure that if if they're struggling with something or they need help with something, find that business provider or that uh, investor. If they're raising rounds, find them other funds, give them new introductions, send them people, send them customers, talk about them as much as you can. Um, Just know that you have their back 100%. I think that that having a portfolio company is like having a family. They, we really are at Halogen, a close knit family with our founders and Jesse and Alexa, who's our principal. Right. Um, and so just figuring out where you can help it. And it doesn't matter if it's not your area. If you find, if you check in with one of your founders and you find out that they need, you know, they're trying to look for like podcasts to be a part of, Yeah. make a list of podcasts for them and send it over to them and say, here, you know, here's a list of podcasts. Um, or if it's, they're trying to find new partners and, um, or an in, they're trying to find a list of influencers, like find 10 influencers for them and say, Hey, thought of you for this. These could be a good fit for you. Yeah. Um, obviously don't create extra work for them. Ask them where they need the help and help them get there. Hmm. So what I'm hearing is that first of all, figure out where the founder actually needs help. And then figure out the best person who can help the founder navigate. Uh, so, yeah. So, I think now coming to, uh, you know, Jesse, 
you stress a lot on how Jesse has helped you you know really get used to the venture space and how she has actually incorporated the culture of learning by doing uh, within halogen uh, so tell me what is it that one should actually look for in a mentor um, and how has Jesse been an amazing mentor to you yeah oh my gosh I can say so many awesome things about Jesse because she is just incredible but one word I would say to describe her is she is a rock star right she is just fights for female entrepreneurs she fights for female investors she fights for diversity and really opened this door for me to to really succeed in venture capital um, that wasn't even like part. I come from a small country town. I'm also the oldest of four children. Um, my parents were actually teenage parents when they had me. Mm. Um, I got to go to UCLA. I got to be a part of the entertainment industry. But I truthfully have never met a person like Jesse. Um, and when I came across, when I met her interning at the Valley Girl Show, I knew she was just this like phenomenal, not knowing who she was. I didn't like Google who she was. I just looked up the Valley Girl Show and I'm like, she has the most awesome personality. I want to be around her 24 seven. Her mm-hmm. energy is so contagious. She laughs a lot. She dances. She has fun. Um, and so I, I just it's like, I want a mentor like that. Yeah. And she has really taught me everything in, uh, about venture. Um, and when I started in venture almost five years ago, she, I was like, I don't know anything really about this. I didn't, I grew up in a small country town, like technology and venture capital still is not really a thing there. Um, and so she's like, don't worry, you're going to, you'll pick it up. It'll be really quick. We're just going to throw you into everything. You're going to have this learn by doing, mentality it's going to be great um and she always says you know her biggest piece of advice is um never think that you're the smartest person in the room and if you're if you do think that you're the smartest person in the room you're standing in the wrong room and so I think that the biggest thing she has taught me is just don't be afraid you you can always learn whatever it is that you want to learn and so if it's something that you don't know go in make get out of your comfort zone and go find whatever it is that's going to teach you um that one thing and you will never figure it out until you actually experience it um and so she really she really fed my hunger to learn as much as I could in all situations um in fundraise meetings and LP meetings and pitch calls and just making the fund what it is today um and making sure that we're supporting female entrepreneurs to the best of our ability uh, she and at the core of all of that is diversity breeds success. Um, so she has just been a phenomenal mentor. I, I'm truthfully so lucky to to have her. And I think when when you're looking for a mentor, make sure you're looking for someone that is going to root for you. Yeah, I think it's a great thought, and I can only imagine the amazing amount of returns that uh, the venture funds can generate if uh, all the venture capitalists are actually very well mentored so great thought there Ashley Uh, now I remember from our conversations that uh, you mentioned uh, how differently you do the five minute pitch uh, with your founders so why don't you tell the audience uh, what's so different about your five minute pitch um, and about the overall culture at Halogen 
Yeah. One cool thing that we do is a halogen pitch day. Um, <laughs> Jesse and I actually, when we were seeing so many deals and it was just the two of us and we were like, we want to, we want to see, sit down and talk to everyone. How can we make this more efficient? So we started halogen pitch days. Um, we see 10 to 15 companies, usually pre COVID. Um, <laughs> it was in a boardroom. Um, we invite, it's exclusive to our limited partners. So it's our team and some of our LPs that, um, come in and see these pitches. And we're like, how do we make it unique to us though? Like, what is like, think about our personalities. Think about like, we want to make it unique to us. And so we thought of having a walk-up song, um, for every founder that came into pitch. Um, and it really made it fun and kind-hearted and um, just, like, took the edge off a little bit. Because that's really nerve-wracking for a founder to come in and pitch a whole boardroom of investors. Um, and so we would make – I would email uh, founders, you know, the protocol for the pitch day. And at the end, I would say, um, by the way, you have a walk-up song, so uh-huh. please send your walk-up song day before or whenever. If you don't have one, don't worry. I will choose one for you, but you wow. will have one. <laughs> um, and you would think that, you know, the pitch would be the most stressful thing, but for some reason, picking a song was the most stressful thing for these founders. And afterwards, of course, they are they loved it, and it was so much fun, but they are like, are we being judged on the type of song that we pick? How long does the song play for? Do I have to do a dance for the song? I'm like, no, no, no. Just pick a song. You will see. It'll be great. And so we brought a boombox in every pitch day, and we would blast one of their songs. Usually it's, you know, about a song about money or a, a like, cool, like, Kanye West song. Some of them, we had, like, um, Enya play at one point. We had opera. It wow. was the. It's a wide range of things. And we blast it. We put it on the highest volume and we blast it as they walk in. We all stand up. We all dance as they set up. And then once they're ready to start pitching, we, of course, stop the music and then go on to a five-minute pitch with a 10-minute Q&A. And it really stuck. And I think a lot of people, founders that we would meet, out uh out and about would be like i heard about halogen pitch days Mm -hmm. i hear i heard about the song so it was starting to to get around a little bit but it made it unique to us and it really fit kind of the personality of the fund and um just made it fun i can only imagine how the founder must be so paranoid with her walk-up song but i'm sure it must be a lot of fun to be on the other side and watch the founder come in uh, and dance to her uh, walk-up song. So uh, amazing. I think there's lots to learn about culture there. Now tell me what message do you have for all the listeners out there? Don't be afraid. Just go for it. Just full send. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something because you truthfully can. Um, take all the no's that people are throwing at you and run with it. And that's okay. That's not something necessarily to be angry about. You're going to get no's. You're going to get a million no's, but don't even hear them. Just say, okay, move on. Find someone that's going to give you a yes um, in, in whatever it is that you're doing. If it's career, if it's, you know, with in your personal life, in your professional life, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're raising capital, just 
don't even be discouraged by the rejections and the no's that you get. Um, sometimes it's just not a fit at that time. That's not to say it's a no forever. Uh, just keep going and keep fighting and you will see amazing things that happen. I've been, I've been really into this like manifestation Hmm. thing. So, you know, just putting, make sure like put in the work of course, but also know, manifest it and know that whatever it is that you want, you can get, it's reachable. So just do it. I'm sure your mentor would say that just do it. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Absolutely. I think we're done. Thank you so much for your time, Ashley. It was great chatting with you and we got to learn so much about you, Halogen and what you guys are doing. And I'm so proud of everything that you've done in terms of investing in female founders. And I do wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is so awesome. And I'm so grateful to be a part of the Women Who Build podcast. I love how Ashley already has the exposure of building a culture at a new fund and scaling consumer companies. So if you would like to be mentored by her or just bounce off ideas with her, write to me at the email ID provided in the description of the podcast. (laughs) 